0: Friends, grace and peace to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, how do you introduce yourself? And if you're at a dinner party or on the sideline at a kid's soccer game or, you know, at a church mixer, what do you say about yourself? How do you tell people who you are? Your name, maybe what you do or did for a living, how many kids you might have... Way you grew up, you know. What do you say about who you are? How do you introduce yourself? I ask that because today Paul is introducing himself to the people of Rome. He's writing a letter to the church, this very fledgling church that's struggling to get off the ground in Rome, the very heart of the empire, and he has to introduce himself because, contrary to all the other letters that have survived history that we have from paul romans is the only letter written to a group of people that he didn't know yet all of the other letters were to communities uh, churches that he himself had founded folks who were struggling having some issues and he knew them personally but the people of rome he knew some of their leaders but the the people the people gathered week after week to try and figure out what this church thing was about he didn't know them And so he had to introduce himself to tell them who he was. Well, in Paul's time, when people wrote letters, especially formal letters, they always started with the same kind of formal introduction. Essentially, from me to you. And a little bit of information about who you are and maybe what the letter might be about. But this introduction that Paul gives to the letter to the Romans is a little different. You see, usually he's fairly brief. Like in you know, Galatians, for example. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, sent not by human authority, but by God's authority to those who are in Galatia. Or Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of the gospel, to the beloved who are in Philippi. Something like that, right? Romans is a little different. It goes something like this. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures, the gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship, I can't do it, to bring about the obedience of faith among all the good Gentiles for the sake of his name, including yourselves, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Now, to all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints. It's like ten years long. Way longer than any other introduction that Paul ever gives. And I want to know why. Now, on the one hand, you could say that it's simply because he's introducing himself. He doesn't know them, and so he has to be a little more robust, include a little bit more about his personal life. Except, of course, Paul doesn't say anything about himself. It is all about Jesus, and it's a lot about Jesus. Why? Why such a long introduction telling the whole story about Jesus? Well, introductions to biblical letters are Fairly dry and dusty. Most people don't really like to read them. They're boring. You know, they're like the, the long lists of names in the Old Testament. Or, you know, it's like when your grandma sent you a birthday card when you were seven, and you know there's a $2 bill in there, and so you sort of tear through the envelope and maybe glance at Snoopy and whatever grandma wrote, but you know what you're looking for, right? It's kind of like that. Yeah, Paul to the church in Rome, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Let's, let's get to the meat, right? Let's get to the real stuff. Most folks don't pay attention to the introduction. That's the stuff for the dry and dusty work of scholarship. That's how I used to read Romans, too. You don't really pay attention. Until a couple years ago, I was at a conference, and we were being led in Bible study by Dr. Tom Long. He teaches preaching at the seminary in Atlanta, Georgia. And he said, Now, I'm fully aware that none of you are going to preach on this text because it's boring and no one wants to listen to that. But I think it's worth noting that by this point in Paul's career, you see, Paul is getting on in age. He's been at this for quite a while. He's you know, been doing this for quite some time now. Now, Paul, of course, planned to continue doing this for many, many years to come, but you see the the Roman Empire really preferred early retirement for Christian apostles. Paul doesn't have much time left, and he's pretty aware of that. And Dr. Long said, it is as if, by this point in his life, He has been telling the story of who Jesus is and what God has done for him and for the world through Jesus Christ. He has been telling that story so often and with such power that that story has completely overtaken his story. It has overwhelmed him in such a way that Paul cannot introduce himself. He can't talk about himself without talking about Jesus, the whole Jesus, and nothing but the Jesus. That is Paul's story. His identity has become utterly indistinguishable from the story of Jesus Christ. And Dr. Long said, and isn't that precisely what we long for in all our people? Isn't that what we do this for? Isn't that why we gather week after week at font and at table, pouring over these dry and dusty words, hoping beyond hope that some living word of grace might leap off the page and into our ears and sink its way into our hearts? That slowly but surely the story of Jesus Christ might encroach on our lives, might wrap itself so fully around us, That we don't know who we are without knowing what God has done in Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we long for? That there is no I, there is only the we who have been saved by God's grace. So how are we doing? How am I doing? (laughs) When I think of myself, when I think about who I am, what makes me who I am? What do I think about? A father, husband, son, pastor, a member of a political party that shall go nameless. <laughs> you know, what makes me who I am? I can show you my resume, the, the long list of accomplishments in high school, like I still care about that 20 years later. What makes me who I am? What about you? Who are you? You can talk about that stuff too or we can talk about other stuff. Addict. Cancer survivor. Lonely. Excluded. A little too proud of yourself. Totally ashamed. Unforgiven. A cheater. One who was cheated on. Divorced still married, and maybe shouldn't be? Who are you? What makes you who you are? And what would it mean? What would it look like if who you are became completely and utterly indistinguishable from what God has done for you in Jesus Christ? such that you couldn't think of yourself or present yourself to the world, even to those who think they know you, especially those who think they get to tell you who they think you are? What would it mean if that story completely wrapped itself around you so that you didn't know yourself apart from the gospel? How would you live? Would you live ashamed? Or would you live boldly? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul writes. Not because of Paul's amazing accomplishments or because of Paul's utter and complete failures. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. What would it look like to live boldly knowing that who you are has been shaped by this Amazing grace. Dr. Long tells another story. It's a story about a a father and a mother whose son died at age 16 after a long struggle with muscular dystrophy. By the time Peter was 16, uh, as he neared death, his whole body had become essentially paralyzed. He could hardly move. He couldn't speak much. When he mustered a few words every once in a while, it was as if a ghost was speaking from somewhere beyond the grave. And yet, just a few moments before he died, in what can only be called a miracle, he spoke with clarity. And he asked a seemingly random question. He said, Daddy, what does impudent mean? Apparently, he'd heard the word at school or in a vocabulary test. His father was bewildered, had no idea where this question would come from. Daddy, what does impudent mean? But with tears streaming down his face, his father was able to muster a fairly straightforward answer. Very matter-of-factly, he said, Well, son, impudent means bold, unashamedly bold, Defiant. And Peter said, Then put me in an impudent position. And so his parents arranged his paralyzed body, his arms and his legs, in a gesture of defiance and boldness. And that was how he died. As if to say, that even as this disease wrapped itself utterly around him, stealing away any movement, any breath, any speech, nevertheless, in the face of that, he had the faith and the hope to believe that this disease and this death would not define him, and it could not have the final word. That, brothers and sisters, is what it looks like to be bold, to be unashamed of the gospel. It is said that when Martin Luther was feeling particularly down about himself, which was pretty much every five minutes, he was very cranky, he would splash water on his face and trace the sign of the cross on his forehead, and he would say loudly and boldly, Martin, do not... Be afraid, for you are baptized. Friends, that is who you are. You are not your disease, you are not your greatest accomplishments or your worst failures. You are baptized. You have been claimed by a story that is wrapping itself around your whole life so that you can live boldly, unashamed, defiant in the face of anything that might tell you otherwise. You are baptized, and thanks be to God for that. Amen.